0: okay um welcome to another edition of the defiance weekly recap uh this is live on our youtube channel and it's also posted on our uh, podcast platforms so um you guys can also uh, catch up on what we discussed this week was pretty um eclectic i guess uh there were news for uh, from all different fronts um from the centralized crypto world with uh, coinbase launching coinbase international uh there was bitcoin taking off with all sorts of uh, activity happening on the original cryptocurrency there was markets uh, action with uh, a new fed decision um and of course, we still have meme coins <clears throat> haven't faded away with Binance listing Pepe. Um, on the NFT front, Blur launched an NFT lending pool. So yeah, tons going on. Um, I'm Camille Russo, the founder of The Defiant. We have YYC Trader here, our Anon head of news. Uh, so welcome, uh, YYC. I think. Why don't we just start with uh, with Pepe, and I think you're the most qualified to to talk about uh, meme coins. Um, And I know you you were looking at some interesting charts, so why don't you kick us off?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, Thanks everyone for joining us. And of course, uh, you might have noticed that gas is um, has been going crazy for the last few days. Currently above two hundred. I think I haven't seen that since i don't know it's been months uh right and you can see uh who the culprits are uh, uniswap which means meme coins um both on i mean v2 is mainly meme coins i'd say and then of course we have the um arbitrum sequencer um pepe token of course and uh, jared from subway is still around uh our friendly MEV bot has been making a killing over the last two or three weeks. Millions of dollars in uh, uh, from sandwich-attacking sandwich uh, all these meme coin transactions. And looking at the coin itself, I mean, you can see where Binance listed it, right? Um, 1.6 billion oh, dollar <laughs> um, Uh And if we zoom out to the daily chart, uh, it looks it's even insane crazier.
0: i mean that's not even hockey stick that's i don't know what it is <laughs> like we need a new term
1: yeah and guess where <laughs> i sold it right here
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> oh we, man we keep saying we need an inverse yyc token
1: <laughs> yeah uh but uh, i mean hats off to people who managed to hold it this long and actually um, you know, were able to cash in on the, on the um, uh, mania, if you want to call it that, because, you know, it's easy to get into something early, but holding it is harder. I mean, as hard, if not harder, uh, you know, when something's like a meme coin, when it suddenly hits a hundred million market cap, you'd be like, you know, I need to sell this, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least a good chunk of it. But there's apparently so many wallets that just bought it, really cheap and sat on it until now so that's that's just i mean insane i, I wouldn't be able to do that to be honest
0: those are the hardcore djans out there yeah
1: yeah <laughs> i mean like how do you see something you know go from like i don't know a couple of hundred bucks to say 500k and say no i'm not gonna sell any of this i'm gonna wait till it hits 3 million or 5 million or something that's just uh but... this
0: is this is insane I think it's it's worth just stepping back and like discussing where the actual value of this comes from I mean it is just a joke right it's it's a token that has like a pepe face on it and just like a community making jokes around this meme and that's that's pretty much it like there's no utility to it there's no protocol backing it. There's no fees attached, um, not even a plan to have that uh, down the line that I know of. Right. So it's just, you know, um, about buying something that you think is going to take off uh, and about the culture, I guess, <laughs> even if that sounds cringy. But I think there, there is some legitimacy to that. It's just, you know, you think something is funny and you want to be a part of it. Uh, And it's as simple as that, I guess.
1: I mean, I'm just coping really hard today just because, (laughs) I mean, I did the exact same thing with SHIB when it came out, right? I I faded because like this thing's like, I couldn't understand it. Like I was just Mm -hmm. like, I didn't see the, uh, if you want to call it an investment case for putting money into it. And then day by day week by week it was the same thing it just kept kept going higher and higher and higher and all you see on uh twitter is like people with screenshots oh i turned like 0.1 ETH into a thousand each and like stuff like that ah but i mean yeah
0: it's yeah it, it's easy to have fomo but also i mean we need to point out that this stuff is extremely risky even if you know some people do make some money we don't know like how much money they've lost on other shit coins, you know. Um, and the ones that take off are a small percentage of the ones that either fail or are scams or are ragging people. So it's it's just, you know, I, I think it's it's really worth highlighting how risky a, a corner of the crypto market meme coins and shit coins are. You know, like they, they really have no kind of financial... Uh, use case or utility or or, or anything uh, other than you know the joke and the meme, um, which which is worth something to be fair. Uh, but you know, it's it's about you know how how long will this community and fad last in the end? I mean, and there, like Doge, I think is a great example of a joke that has real staying power. Like it's one of the first uh, cryptocurrencies. And it's still around. It's still, you know, what, top 10? No. I don't know. Top 20 at least, right? It was in at market? one point.
1: Uh, it might be again. but
0: yeah. yeah, top nine coin. Yeah. And it's a oh. meme coin. So, you know. But most Not of them will, the, will just uh, the fade away. The ship
1: crew that you hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're looking to, you know, unseat Doge in the next cycle, I guess. Right? But, yeah. Uh, one, um, well side effect apart from the fact that it like ethereum mainnet is essentially unusable for anything right now Mm-mm. um is that we've been burning eth like crazy mm. so um as you can see on this chart i mean it's just um, uh, this is since the merge and uh, you can see that the curve has just steepened over the last couple of weeks right and overall burnt i mean 158000 eth compared to um two and a half million that would have been issued under proof of work. So I mean, that's a drastic reduction in supply, right? And if we change the scale and just look at the last uh, week, it's been uh, quite a hefty burn. Hmm. <laughs> right? So this is all meme coins, pretty much. I
0: mean, yeah, meme coins are benefiting every ETH holder in the end. So <laughs> I mean, yep. everyone so. holding it should be grateful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so even though I don't hold Pepe, I'm like, all right, keep burning that E. It's all right. Uh, at least it feeds some. It's, feeds one of the narratives I'm in, so it's good. Um, yeah. So it's not just uh, Pepe. A few of the others have also done really well over the last week. So AI Doge is, um, you know, the meme coin that la- launched on Arbitrum. And we had a story on that as well. Again, just gone nuts. Um, if we look at the daily chart again, is uh, um. Not as extreme as Pepe, but uh, yeah, one hundred seventy million uh, valuation for essentially, I don't know, nothing. Uh, but who knows? Uh, Shiba, you know, came out with like ShibSwap Swap and like I think their own chain and all kinds of things, right? So you never know. <laughs> These guys might uh, come out and do something. And of course, there was uh, Turbo as well, which was uh, yeah, living up to its name at least today. Wow. Right. So, um, yeah, and a bunch of other ones as well. So, I mean, the whole um, watch list is full of just uh, guac was one on Solana that launched yesterday that did really well.
0: Guac. Oh, my yeah. God. Are we back to food themed coins?
1: Um, I think any food <laughs> there's a taco <laughs> as well. On, I, I think uh, food is <laughs> making its way to Solana, you know, two years later, but uh, better late than never. Right
0: for for those of you who weren't around for for DeFi summer we had a whole food uh yield farming craze um there was tendies like spaghetti
1: yam like,
0: yeah well yeah yam was like right the the one that kicked everything off
1: yeah pickle yeah which was, was... my first defi project
0: ah uh, interesting yeah. i didn't know that um yeah anyway so it looks like food is making its way back uh Let's um, take a minute to answer some of the questions here. So uh, Charlie Pepper is asking, um, how do I buy Pepe on Binance? Do I convert my uh, BEP20 to something else? Will the listing just show up somewhere?
1: Um, Generally, you just send your tokens to Binance and you should be able to swap them for Pepe. Uh, It should be on the new listings page or somewhere. Again, not advised to buy Pepe at all, uh, especially given the run that it's had. As Cami said, this is the riskiest corner of crypto, I'd say. And, and the one that kind of gives it a bad name at times, because this mm. is what, when people say, oh, crypto is just a gambling den of thieves, like Senator Warren, <laughs> this is what she's talking about, like <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it does exist. I mean, it, it always kind of runs in the background, it's just come to the forefront because of a few coins that have done well otherwise you know it's a dark forest of rugs scams um you know so yeah definitely do your own research and uh, i'd advise staying away from them if you're not willing to see that uh, eth go to zero yeah
0: um okay and then Hikikomori. I'm so sorry. I, I'm probably mispronouncing this. Uh, but if Epe is doing this to ETH in the bear, what do you think will happen in bull? Do you think this is sustainable?
1: Um, I think we've seen this a number of times over the last year and a half. That you know ETH has somewhat, I mean, one five five nine has some balanced it quite well. So it just takes a little bit of activity to spike fees and suddenly start burning a lot of ETH. Uh, we saw that with the ZEN token, which uh, dropped, um, I think it was August or September last year, where it was the same thing. You know, people suddenly started minting these NFTs, uh, you know, by by the boatload. And uh, we spiked gas. And this is just one project. Obviously, uh, there are going to be more upgrades. We just have a story on the uh, uh, next up- upcoming upgrade for Ethereum, which is expected, I think, beginning of 2024. So that's going to bring in <clears throat> uh, sharding and uh, focus on scaling, essentially to bring down <clears throat> transaction fees. So, in terms of the next bull, I mean, are we in it already? Are we looking for the next halving next year? So, if if it's going to be next year or later, um, we'd likely have this upgrade in place already, right? So, mm. uh, probably won't burn as much ETH, but we can hope, right? ultrasound money to 10k
0: right um and then uh, the same uh, community member uh, is saying um, pepe value sui uh, arbitrum are for vcs and Pepe is for the people <laughs> so uh, just uh interesting comment of on pepe
1: um, um so in terms of yeah. pepe I just wanted to add there there mm-hmm. have been some threads and things about you know who are the people behind it? And like mm. there are a ton of early wallets that, um, you know, got big allocations, really cheap, and are sitting on a ton of profits. So I wouldn't say it's for all the people, definitely the early people. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, with SUI, we have a story on that as well, right? About yeah. um, um, uh, people basically being uh, disappointed that there was no substantial airdrop and even the uh, pre sale uh, was quite hard to get into. And uh, yeah, of course, people who got in, uh, made 10 X or more, um, uh, because the, the project has a valuation of 13 billion, which is more than, uh, Aptos, Solana or Polygon or Avalanche for that matter, in terms of FDV. Mm-hmm. So definitely rich. So,
0: yeah, yeah
1: it's the first, uh, I guess, not the first i mean atos uh, came ahead but um i still really haven't seen much um in terms of DeFi or applications and things on these move based blockchains i mean i'm sure they're building but um, nothing in the mainstream quite yet so um yeah, i think yeah that's those are some ecosystems that we'll need to dive into maybe send uh, some of the reporters on a hunt
0: For sure. I mean, it's still so early, right? Uh, So we uh, just launched on on Mainnet. We have this story this week. Uh, It's still so crazy to me that this blockchain that's just launching, no users, no dabs or anything has a $13 billion valuation. It's insane. Um, But I guess people are trusting that, you know, the former Facebook uh, devs, know what they're doing so anyways this uh this token was um and just uh, sui was picking up steam this week with the with the mainnet launch um but yeah there's there's a comment from uh, arthur from defiance capital uh, and he said almost all founders of hyped l1 in it, once in past cycles are billionaires now despite little real traction achieved in their blockchains and yeah i, I definitely think that's that's a fair criticism um just it, it, these lofty valuations even during the bear market is pretty remarkable um okay and then uh moving on to another big headline this week uh we had a uh, Coinbase launching its international exchange. So, you know, this, as we've covered before here, comes on the backdrop of this regulatory fight uh, with the SEC. Um, so, earlier this year, uh, the SEC sent uh, Coinbase uh, a Wells notice, uh, kind of giving them a heads up that uh, a lawsuit is on its way. Coinbase then sued the SEC um, and because it, it's asking for more clarity on um, on the regulatory environment in the US, uh, specifically what tokens are and aren't considered securities. So it's within this backdrop of uh, just tightening uh, regulatory environment in the US that Coinbase is launching an exchange um, offshore. And uh, the main um, vehicle that's going to be traded there are derivatives uh, with uh, perpetuals, which perpetuals are uh, make up the majority of volume in, in crypto. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, a market that Coinbase definitely wants to be involved in um, and hasn't been able to because they are based in the U.S. So, you know, just um, a sign that the US will just start lagging behind uh, activity and innovation in crypto if it maintains its, um, you know, unfriendly regulatory regime. what do you think, YYC?
1: Um, absolutely. I think um, perpetual swaps is a very lucrative business, um, exchanges kill uh, to get a piece of that pie uh which is i mean most of the volume that you see in crypto is perpetuals on mm-hmm. binance bybit and all yeah, these
0: people, i think it's like right? 75% so, like real
1: yeah real yeah so it. uh coinbase um, i'm sure wants to get in get into that game and by uh they've tried every option every avenue they have to uh, do it from within the us and i think uh uh, they have no choice. If they want to get into the business, they have to do it from overseas. So, yeah. Um, I think there are multiple exchanges, right, that are uh, following the same kind of playbook.
0: Exactly. We have uh, Gemini also uh, launched a non US derivatives platform outside of the US. Um, Kraken uh, registered a, a subsidiary in Ireland. Last month, remember that Kraken also came under the eye of uh, the SEC. Was it this year or last year? Like, I don't know. Uh, you enter in this time warp in crypto. Uh, um, but, anyways, the, uh, the Kraken was forced to shut down its staking service uh, in the US. So they, they're uh, opening a subsidiary elsewhere. Uh, so, you know, these are just three examples, but they are the the biggest uh, exchanges in the u.s uh and they're opening um offices and operations uh, offshore uh, coinbase gemini and kraken so it is pretty notable yeah Yeah, the u.s shooting itself on the foot
1: yeah in years time every exchange will just be sitting in dubai (laughs)
0: yeah maybe Um, all the
1: all their customers are there already so mm -hmm. they might as well
0: yeah um and then uh moving on to uh Bitcoin. So yeah, we've seen this like pickup in activity around Bitcoin. I think it's it's such an interesting story. For for so long, Bitcoin has been seen as digital gold uh, and this just like very stable, you know, ossified uh, blockchain that doesn't change or do much. Um and that was kind of argued as its actual value. But now there's there's real innovation and experimentation going on. Um, and it, it's thanks to uh, a couple of different upgrades to the Bitcoin blockchain. So SegWit and Taproot um, have allowed developers to add um, metadata to uh, tokens. And, and so that just allows more um more creativity uh into kind of what developers can build on on top of bitcoin so we've reported on ordinals uh, which is a protocol that uh, allowed uh, people to to mint nfts um and on top of ordinals uh, this week uh, brc20s started uh, taking off so of course this uh is going off of ERC20, uh, which is Ethereum's token standard. Um, So, I mean, for for background, like Ethereum didn't used to have a a token standard. This was was invented very early on in Ethereum's history. Um, And because uh, this came after the launch of Ethereum, ETH itself is not an ERC20 token, which is pretty interesting. but having a standard token um, really facilitated composability on Ethereum. So this means that any token that's issued can be interchanged with any other tokens that's following the same standard. So this um, this kind of really blew up with the ICO craze in 2017 and since then you know I think the large majority of tokens issued on Ethereum are ERC20s. Now Bitcoin is has its own token standard. It looks like BRC20, and um, they are these tokens are being issued on the Ordinals, Ordinals uh, protocol. So um, super interesting stuff. Uh, like minting coins has been something that developers on Bitcoin have been trying to do since like I don't know 2014 with colored coins. Um, and that's where Vitalik was kind of working and got the initial idea for Ethereum actually working uh, with the Colored Coins team. So Colored Coins tried to do these um, these uh, tokens on Bitcoin, but back then the the technology wasn't there yet. Like you couldn't have these like inscriptions, like metadata inscriptions that you can't have now thanks to uh, Taproot and Segwit. So yeah. Um, you know, I think we might. This might be this a start of a new wave of activity in Bitcoin. Who knows? Um, but it's definitely interesting, and um, it's a it's really spurred activity on on the chain. So transactions on Bitcoin are at are at an all time high on May first, thanks to BRC twenties and and Ordinals. And the other interesting development for Bitcoin is that. The transaction value um, the the median transaction value has really dropped uh since you know these new token types uh, came about because people are you know using it to mint uh tokens send them around and and just like you know play <laughs> a bit on bitcoin and uh, and not just send bitcoin itself which uh, is was usually a larger uh word larger tr- transactions so anyways the median transaction value is uh, is dropping with these innovations so and uh, this is definitely a thing that we will keep an eye out uh, on on the defiant and see if it's if it's actually something that has legs or not Yeah, what do you think, Weiwei? Are you interested in, in Bitcoin, or, or is that kind of too too stable for you? Or you know, WC is is head of news, but it, but he's also our DJ and in chief. So I don't know how you feel about Bitcoin.
1: I mean, honestly, I missed the launch of Ordinals because I was on vacation, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and when I got back, uh, they had already kind of taken off, and I felt like I was too late and I had missed the boat. So never mm-hmm. really investigated it and now like it seems like every week there's something new that's being built on top of ordinals and i still don't really get how it works b- because i don't think you can actually trade these tokens like you would on uniswap just yet right it's uh, it's it's a clunky process i think it's still a lot of otc trading involved and, and mm-hmm. stuff which was one of the things that put me off like those Bitcoin punks that came out to begin with, because there was an Excel sheet being circulated with like token numbers and prices. And you had to just trust the broker in between to like, not keep your Bitcoin or ETH. So yeah. Um, But it's great to see that, uh, you know, there hasn't been too much, I mean, there has been some resistance from, you know, hardcore maxis that this is, against the bitcoin ethos and you know you shouldn't be touching uh if ain't broke don't fix it right so mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in terms of actual utility i think it's great um it'll be um fascinating to follow this thread and see you know if this actually takes off or if it's just kind of a flash in the pan kind yeah. of yep. thing yeah
0: Interesting about you mentioned Uniswap, and I remember that we reported on this other project called, called Trustless Computer, um, which builds itself as a layer one on Bitcoin, um, and it looks like uh, it, it allows developers to build, um, you know, smart contract applications using Solidity. Uh, the ethereum uh coding language so that's that's pretty interesting and they actually deployed a um a uniswap fork on on this uh, kind of layer layer one on Bitcoin um so I don't know there's there's some indication there that uh that trading might become easier uh on, on you know, on Bitcoin of these PRC twenty tokens, but we'll see.
1: How do they already have a market cap of like hundred million plus? I mean, a hundred million really doesn't mean what it used to, right? Even right. ten years ago, <laughs> right? Back then, like hundred million was like, oh, that's real money. Now, unless it's in the billions or tens of billions, it's like, oh, all right.
0: Yeah, the, uh, this market has become big, or and we've become come immune to this, you know, these big figures. I guess. Um, and then moving on to TradFi, <laughs> uh, there was a, a, a Fed decision this week um, uh, and uh, with a 25 uh, basis point hike. But uh, j Powell hinted at a halt, a potential halt in, um, in interest rate increases uh, going forward if uh, the, the data... Uh, backs it up. I mean, if if there are signs that the, the economy is slowing, um, I don't know if all these banking failures and you know banking the banking banking crisis in the U.S. if that will have any impact on on their decision on the Fed's decision going forward. Um, I don't believe it's like in their mandate to look at that. Uh, like they they just look at uh, inflation really to decide on on interest rate hikes but i don't know like you have to think that they they're still looking at all these banks failing because of their um of their interest rate hikes what do you think we see
1: oh absolutely i mean uh i co- i watched the press conference after the decision and powell mm-hmm. just he looked you could see like he looked i wouldn't say stressed but like he was a bit short with some of the reporters who were asking him questions. Mm -hmm. And like, it was pretty clear that a pause is on the table because people tried to get him to confirm, is this a pause? And he just kept saying, you know, the language has changed and you know, that's significant. And Mm -hmm. we're going to watch the data. And the next question would be a a variation of the same thing. And he would just go back and forth. You know, we're going to watch the data um, stuff like that. Um, do you know he is the worst um, FOMC chairman for the for the markets? He has the worst track record. So wow. after the Fed decision is announced and his press conferences, uh, the stock market generally tends to drop 0.2 to 0.3%. Uh, the previous ones like Yellen, Bernanke and stuff, they were all like very charming for the markets, right? All mm. had positive um, performance post press conference but paul every time he opens his mouth you know his mom, the market just doesn't like it
0: well i mean it makes sense like uh, he's the the first chair in how long i don't know since 2008 that has had the job of hiking instead of cutting um so i guess like of course the markets don't don't like him <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, but Yellen did some hiking of, of her own, right? Back in like 2015, True. 16 or whatever, whenever it was. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I th- I think he just looks uncomfortable, you know, answering mm-hmm. questions. So I think it's the demeanor that doesn't like portray confidence, certainty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Bernanke used to come and spout absolute nonsense, but, you know, he, was, he would do it with authority, you know, so the markets would like it and say, all right, he knows what he's talking about.
0: Oh, interesting. You think people don't just don't trust that he knows what he's doing?
1: I think that that is one factor because number one, he's not an economist by training, right? Hmm. I believe he's a lawyer, right? And like politically appointed, whatnot. Like previous hmm. Fed chair, chair people have all been like finance, economics background. So I think that's one thing. And he always sounds like he's reading from, you know can like mm-hmm. he never goes off book ever like even mm-hmm. like if it's an interesting question or something he'd still like find a way to circle back to his prepared notes and that's it oh uh,
0: yeah I'm so but what do you think um do you think we'll see a pause
1: um I think so yeah I think this mm-hmm. was just um you know because the markets already expected it was like an 85 percent um pricing in of this last hike i think that's mm-hmm. why they went ahead and did it and um, yeah going forward they say they're going to be data dependent right, right. so um, if um, the banking crisis worsens you know you see some more dominoes falling i think where are we at now four right
0: four banks yeah
1: yeah um so yeah over the summer uh, it's going to be interesting i think to see i think a june hike is definitely off the table so they're going to be um, they they're either going to stay uh, with the, what it is or a cut is probably unlikely at in june but according to the the fed watch tool uh, september and december could see cuts so and all this should be positive for you know risk assets as a whole right because right Traditionally, you'd expect, okay, if rates stay the same or go lower, then the dollar should depreciate relative to other currencies, Bitcoin, crypto, what have you. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and there's just, you know, uh, more money going around, right? To buy crypto and risk assets.
1: Yeah, and the dollar, traditionally, like at least over the 15... 18 years that I've been trading and watching it doesn't usually like to stay above a hundred. Like it's, that's like, it's uncomfortable zone, right? Like it spikes hmm. there during times of crisis or rate hikes or what, whatnot, but then it kind of always finds a way to settle back down into the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if, um, that happens again.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Obviously, you know, something important to watch macro and how it affects crypto. I mean, that has been the the, the main driver of the crypto market for the past year. But uh, as we reported here, um, that's kind of changing now uh, with Bitcoin decoupling from stocks. So Bitcoin is becoming less correlated with stocks. Uh, I thought this was such an interesting development. I mean, um, last year with the the Fed rate hikes, uh, Bitcoin and crypto and stocks had really just reacted in tandem, um, falling together uh, with uh, a you know tighter macro environment. Um, but that correlation is. Uh, you know, is sliding right now, um, and it looks like while stocks eh, continue, you know, eh, underperforming or 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 falling because of macro and uh, because of the continued rate hikes, eh, Bitcoin has been overperforming stocks, um, so that that has made the the the, the correlation um, or like both assets decouple. So, you know, some theories to this is um, as we are seeing the effects of this tighter macro environment uh, with the, you know, banking crisis, um, uh, fallout, Bitcoin is looking like digital gold, like it's looking like the safe haven that it was meant to be. Um, And so... You know all those calls last year saying you know bitcoin is just another risk asset um it, it was supposed to protect against inflation and um and, and like volatile markets but it, it just reacts just like stocks it those may have been um it it, it may have been uh too, too early to have actually concluded that uh, because you know it it may be this year, as, as people are, are looking at uh, the traditional markets become more unstable, traditional finance become unstable, um, maybe some people are going to, to Bitcoin as a safe haven. Um, and the same is happening with gold. So it's actually, while the correlation between Bitcoin and stocks is declining, correlation between Bitcoin and gold is increasing. So really, you know, fascinating what's going on here.
1: Yeah, gold's been, uh, I mean, it's testing its uh, old all-time highs, right? Above $2,000 an ounce. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny, actually. Last week, I I got a few messages from, um, you know, some friends who I had got into gold like five, seven, eight years ago, maybe. um, Because, you know, giving them the same spiel about, you know, money printing and whatnot. This was before I got into crypto and stuff so they're like oh you know what like gold's like going been going crazy like how are your how's your gold, like stocks and stuff and i haven't even looked at it in like Mm -hmm. three and a half years (laughs) right so i was like oh (laughs) you know what guys (laughs) like oh i should really take a look uh you know once you get into crypto and like if you're working in crypto and like in it full time it's you you it's like literally living in your own bubble right you you barely um even notice like big, big moves like this.
0: And and so what happened? Like, are you still holding your gold stocks?
1: Yeah. That's nice. like the TradFi, uh, you know, retirement portfolio. So it's nice. part of that. Yeah. The doomsday portfolio. If you want to doomsday call that.
0: portfolio. Right. Um, so, you know, early to to say um but uh, you know maybe bitcoin is serving us as, as this hedge against instability in traditional finance um it you know it is certainly it, metrics are certainly po- pointing that direction so um we'll see i but you know going back to the topic of it, uh, Powell and uh, how he's handled rate hikes, four banks failing in you know just a couple of months, in weeks really, that that has to signal that he's not doing a good job, you know that uh, the rate hikes were too fast, um, that it wasn't communicated clearly, um, because like you, you you can't have like a, a reaction like that's as disastrous as it, it has been. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think that, that kind of speaks for itself on whether the Fed is doing a good job or not.
1: Yeah, there's actually um, an interesting graphic um, that I just shared with you, if you could put that up. These bank failures, if you compare them to the, the ones from the financial crisis in terms of scale, are so massive um oh you aren't able to see that? Sorry, one second. I should be able to get that. Yeah, um in terms of scale, let me see if I can just Can you see that?
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. So in 08, we had, like, of course, like, tons and tons of bank failures. But, like, Washington Mutual was the one big, like, consumer-facing bank that uh, collapsed, right? But, yeah. So if these are just the first dominoes and a true full-blown banking crisis would really look bad. Like, that's not something that any of us should, uh, you know, hope for or even wish for, you know, as proponents of crypto i've seen a lot of that sentiment on twitter lately you know like oh every time a bank collapses you know bitcoin pumps so that's good but uh, yeah these are relatively small and not systemically important institutions that have uh, fallen over so far so uh, yeah we definitely don't want to see uh, a big one go down
0: yeah um yeah, so maybe maybe this is, this was the, the last uh, hike in a while, um, and we'll see a pause uh, until things stabilize. I, fingers crossed, like we definitely don't wanna see another uh, crisis of that scale. And if these were the first dominoes and they're already in scale larger than 08, then it doesn't look good. Um, I'll, I'll just go through the the, the rest of the, the bigger headlines that we had uh, this week, and uh, and and then we'll uh, we, we're coming close to the hour, so we'll we'll have to wrap up. But uh, in the NFT front, uh, this was really interesting. Blur, this NFT marketplace launched a lending protocol. Um, Sotheby's launched uh, an NFT marketplace as well. Uh, we covered uh, the Sui blockchain launched its mainnet. Um, Ethereum um, is in its final stages of the next major upgrade. Uh, this is Dan Kuhn, and the the biggest thing here is that um, it will include EIP four eight four four, also known as Proto Dank sharding, which is such a such a cool name. Sounds very cyberpunk, but what it means is effectively it'll make layer two transactions. Um, processed, uh, processed, uh faster, uh, and then finally Curve deployed its stablecoin CRV USD uh, on Ethereum, uh, and that pushed the, the Curve token uh, to rally. So yeah, those are the, were the main headlines that we had this week on The Defiant. Um, as always, we're covering the most interesting developments in DeFi Web3 and crypto. So make sure that you are subscribed to our newsletter, to our uh, YouTube channel. Oh, that reminds me, on our YouTube, we had a kind of like social media themed week. Uh, we had the Web3 social media landscape explained with the top nine projects there. And we had an interview on our podcast with um, uh, Nader from Lens. So you should all go and uh, check it out. Um, And with that, we'll wrap up and wish everyone a great Friday and uh, an amazing weekend. Thanks, YYC, uh, for joining. And thanks, everyone.
1: Bye. Mm -hmm.